Today's show is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Winter is here, and eight smart mattresses will keep you nice and toasty all season long. Visit 8sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and use the code TITA to get $125 off all mattresses, plus free shipping and free returns. That's 8, spelled E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and code TITA to redeem this special offer. Hey, this is Peter Kafka. I'm the host of Recode Media. And in February, Kara Swish and I are going to bring together the smartest and most interesting people in the media world to Huntington Beach in Southern California. We want you to be there. It's the Code Media Conference. It's February 12th and 13th. You can learn more by going to recode.net slash events. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior tech editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm actually at the Vox Media headquarters in D.C. doing this. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. It could be anything at all, like will Kara Swisher change it all now that she's an anchor monster on MSNBC? I will be even 10 times the Kara Swisher I've been previously. <laughs> anchor monster is your phrase, by the way. That is I just want to put that out there. I'm it was not a phrase used monster. against someone. That someone uh, it's a long story. It's a terrible word. But anyway. I'd like, we have time. Let's hear it. Someone wanted me to use it against someone, and they didn't want to use their name on the record, and I declined. They said, so this person an is a monster. 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 Yeah. yeah. I, I like you as an anchor monster. Let's I do, go too. With it. Yes. I think it'll be an excellent Well, it's one fantastic. Actually, quickly tell everyone when your show is going to be airing. Soon, soon. This week. Um, I have a show on the future of work. It's a series I've started with MSNBC called Revolution, and we taped it in San Francisco with uh, Google CEO Sundar Pichai and Susan Wojcicki, the CEO of YouTube, the first one. We talked about lots of stuff, AI, non-disclosures, workplace culture, robotics, uh, not robotics, uh, self-driving cars. Uh, all kinds of things. Um, and it was really, it was good. It was hugely attended and it was fun. You know, it was really long? fantastic. I it was, was there. Fun. I covered it. It was really good. It was at one point, one of the producers was like, that was a lot of substance. It was very funny. It was very substantive. There was a lot of talk and I thought they were great to come forward at a really difficult time for tech and really you know, be more frank than uh, they, many, many people want tech companies to be, but it was good. Anyway, uh, for, for this show, send us your question. Find us on Twitter or tweet them to at Recoder myself or to Lauren with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. Because this is Kara's favorite show. We <laughs> also have an email show. address. Our email address is tooembarrassed at recode.net. And a friendly reminder, there are two R's and two S's in Embarrassed. And we really do like your emails. Sometimes when things come through on social media, we don't know where they're coming from. We might not see them. So email us if you have questions and we'll be sure to answer them. Yes, yes. And I am in D.C., as I said this week, and uh, here for a bunch of podcasts, all kinds of things and uh, seeing my kids and things. Uh, and so I'm away from Lauren, which is always a painful time for me. It's very hard. It's it's, yeah. it's hard for the both of us. I'm back here in San Francisco, just holding down the fort, making down sure that, fort. you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but today I'm too embarrassed to ask. We're going to be talking about something that's a little bit inside baseball for us media people, but yeah. it also impacts your experience on Facebook. And that's all about the news feed. Uh, last week, the social media company, which is definitively the world's biggest social network, said going forward that news would make up, like actual news would make up about 4% of people's news feeds content instead of around 5%, which is what it's been at for a while. They're tweaking uh, the algorithm. tweaking the algorithm. Uh, Facebook also said it planned to let users rank news sources 
based on credibility and trustworthiness. Ugh. Ooh, ooh. Worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 Elliot Schrag, who's the head of their policy at Facebook, I saw at an event in Germany this week and talked a little bit about it. It made a lot of people nervous. There were a lot of questions about that. Um, earlier this week, uh, it also Facebook also admitted in a series of blog posts that it, uh, maybe the social media giant is and social media in general is bad for democracy. I don't think they blame themselves, uh, which comes as a surprise to no one who's been following the stories about foreign influence on Facebook during the 2016 election. Uh, so we're delighted, and I think Twitter also admitted there were more Russian uh, bots or problems on Twitter uh, this week, too. Um, mm-hmm. So we're delighted to have Recode senior social media editor Kurt Wagner back on the show to unpack all of this for us uh, and tell us what it all means. Hey, Kurt. Hello. Hi, Hello. Kurt. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm here in San Francisco with Lauren, by yeah. the way. Yes, so bye, Kara. So we no, are okay, holding down the yeah. fort. Kara's been nice. For, thanks for the introduction. Kurt and <laughs> yeah. I are just going to take it may not let now. you back in, actually, yeah. when you come back, uh-huh. so. Go back to your so two-hour flights to Germany. <laughs> Were you, like, you mentioned earlier you took like a couple-hour flight to Germany. Were you on the yeah. Concorde, that, no, the I second generation I, Concorde? I, 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 I'm a citizen of the world, Lauren, and I okay. know where I am needed. And so okay. I went to Germany to talk about uh, to the Germans about social media. But I'm not making this. She literally said it was just a couple hours longer than our original flight, right? I was like, how is that possible? All right. Well, before before we get started, we should note that we're taping this episode on Tuesday, January 23rd, and Facebook has been like at the center of news for what feels like every day in 2018. Mm-hmm. Not really, but close. So by the time you hear this podcast, uh, things may have changed yet again. Yes. So just keep Might, that in mind. Let's hope not. There's so much news. Anyway, let's talk. There's so much news, Kurt. There's so much news yeah, is a such a big thing. Posts. A lot of blog posts. But just in general, posts. there's so much news. It feels like there's a, like every day is like a, a hair on fire. And people love news these days because there's so much of it and it's so interesting. Um, so let's take the, the basics. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Why now? And when are these changes going to affect? Sort of give us the, full, uh, the whole. Sure. Well, let's go back two weeks, which was the first big announcement that they made, which they said, hey, we're going to change this newsfeed algorithm, which is the software that determines what you see in newsfeed and what you don't see in newsfeed. And they said, we're going to show people more uh, stuff from their friends and family. And as a result, that means they're going to see fewer posts from you know publishers or businesses. And the drive for that was that they said... Uh, people enjoy spending time on Facebook more when they're actually interacting with other users. And so we are going to try and show them more posts that lead them to comment and like and actually engage with people and not just scroll through aimlessly. And we found that the stuff that does that is stuff from your friends and family. You're probably more likely to maybe comment on something that your grandmother posts or your mom or your cousin or whatever than you would the, you know something from the New York Times. So as a result, that was the announcement. Um, they kind of framed it as saying, this is going to be good for the well-being of our users because they're going to be more engaged with each other and they're going to have a better time on the site. And of course, publishers are kind of freaking out, right? Because a huge part of uh, business for a lot of these publishers is distributing their stuff via Facebook. That's where they either get a lot of traffic or a lot of their audience lives. And so that was step one. Step two, you kind of touched on briefly, Kara, was last week, they said, hey, we're also going to tweak this algorithm and we're going to show you more stuff from publishers that are deemed, quote, trustworthy. And the way that they're going to determine who is trustworthy and who isn't is they're going to poll their user base and they're going to survey people and figure out who they trust and who they don't. People that get good scores theoretically are going to show up higher in the feed than, than others. And then the last thing was uh, just yesterday, they came out with a very long blog post, which I thought mostly rehashed stuff that we'd already talked about last year, which we can get into. But they uh, kind of ended, the, o- the overall theme was, we've built this thing, social media, it can be used for good and it can be used for bad. 
we can't really control it, but we're doing the best we can to make sure it's used for good. And uh, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. For a while, Facebook had this initiative where it would ask its users to flag disreputable news. Mm-hmm. And then based on that, Facebook would literally attach some type of you know symbol or a icon. Disputed tag. A disputed tag. And then it would make it known to its readers that, hey, this is coming from a disputed source. Is that still ongoing? Is that part of this? Or is that fallen to the wayside? It's, it's in the same vein. Um, I believe it was in December they said they weren't going to use the disputed tag anymore. Instead, I don't they were believe going they did to, it in the first place. Well, there were a few. I don't know how far along they got. They definitely did it in the sense that they tested it. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, we saw it in the wild. Um, mm-hmm. Did it expand to all of Facebook? No, I don't believe so. And so instead of doing a disputed tag, which they claim actually made people kind of um, dig in even more on their side, right? If you read a story that you think is true and then someone tells you it's disputed, I think they found that people actually got more defensive. And they oh, said, interesting. oh, well, you know, now I believe this even more than I did before. So instead what they're doing is they're, um, instead of claiming something's disputed, they will show related articles. So they say, well, here's one article, but here's three additional ones that you might want to read about the same topic. And theoretically, those other three should, if it's disputed, you know, solve the issue by reporting the, the news accurately or at least in a different um, frame. Mm-hmm. So they've been trying to get at this. I mean, I think they've been trying, they understand a problem and they're, they're sort of, I would say, stumbling to figure out how to deal with something. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because at, at DLD this week, Elliot Schrag was, uh, he sort of took the mistakes were made position. Uh, you know, mis- that's how they t- tend to want to phrase it, the mistakes right, were the made. passive voice. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that, um, passive you know, we right. know we've made mistakes, but sort of wanting to move along without talking about that. And so this new thing is this trusted new sources, which I have a lot of problems with, I can tell yeah. you. I mean, so talk talk about that. Like, w- talk about what they're doing, and then we can discuss what they're... I know what they're trying to get to, but sure. it seems ham-handed. Like, how will people actually rank yeah, the trusted I, news sources? I have, an, I have issues with it as well. I think I think most people probably in the journalism profession do. Um, what, they're, what they're trying to get at, I guess the goal of this is to figure out... Uh, who is who is most accurately and consistently reporting the news, right? And mm-hmm. show people more of that stuff. Because right. if they can identify who everyone trusts and believes and they show them more of that, all of a sudden, you know, the fake news thing goes away, right? People don't believe presumably. that they're, yeah, presumably. Um, a lot of issues with that, right? Number one for me is why are they relying on regular people, their users, to tell them who is trustworthy and who isn't. They don't want to take responsibility. It's the same thing. Correct. They don't want to be the one to decide that the New York Times is more reliable than Fox News, who is more reliable than whoever, right? But let's be honest. I mean, people don't know what good news is. That's why we're in this problem to begin with, right? Is people believe everything that shows up in front of them. And so to ask them to objectively say that the New York Times is more reliable than the Washington Post or Recode or Bloomberg or whatever seems silly because most people don't actually have that kind of knowledge, right? They just simply, if it shows up in their feed, they probably believe it. It's also gameable. It doesn't sound like it would do much for confirmation bias in the sense that an article can technically be accurate. The the facts reported may sure. not be inaccurate or the numbers used or whatever it might be, but there could still be bias injected into yeah. the piece. And so someone is going to, to vote, you know, someone who, there's still the potential for confirmation bias. Totally. I and, and I think, I mean, other issues, right? What if you're... Um, an up-and-coming news organization that's just getting started, right? We've seen a bunch of those, and even our industry, Axios, uh, the information, even Recode a couple years ago was brand new, right? Most people didn't know what Recode was. So if that shows up on a survey, 
who's going to say, yeah, Recode's reliable and trustworthy if it's been around for three months? Probably not a lot of people. So it makes it in, in theory, again, we haven't, it hasn't happened yet, so it's hard to say what is actually going to happen in practice. But in theory, it's also going to make it hard for people to start new journalism ventures, even ones that are really, really good or, or uh, you know, started by really strong journalists. Mm-hmm. Kara, what were you going to say about rigging the system as well? Well, it's riggable. It's riggable. Like you could see people just flooding votes to different things, to, to sites, and you could see it being abused. It just, it, it's one of these things like let's vote what's good. And I think what it goes to to me is the heart. If they just don't want to make the, the take the responsibility right. or make the decisions. And, and again, I had this back and forth with Elliot. The thing is like, are you a media company? I think they're 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 not a regular media company, but they certainly are a media company of a new sort, mm-hmm. and they and and that means taking responsibility for what's on your system. And you know, I think I, I was pointing out Snapchat takes responsibility. They pick, they curate, and pick. You know what I mean? And sometimes, like I don't like the Daily Mail on Snapchat, but you know what? I I, I don't like my kids reading it, but. Guess what? It's, it's it's a news source, you know, and it's not a trust. I'm using the word trusted news source is what I want is real news source, like like an actual place, not like these weird Denver posts or whatever. And I think the word trusted is so loaded. Then you get partisan about it because, look, Fox News is a news source and it's a credible news source. So is The New York Times. So is Breitbart. Whatever you think of it, those are news. Those are, you know, those are news organizations and they should be seen on Facebook. That's you know what I mean. Like, but what they need to take off is these these other ones that are just not news sources. And and for some reason, they really do not want to take responsibility for their platform. And I find that odd. It's kind of a unique problem because of the size of their user base. I mean, Facebook now has yeah. two billion people around the right. world using it. You can't name a single media organization. I think in the history of in modern history right. that has had that kind of audience. I mean, even if you look at a list of the most televised events, you know, in the history, they're like is somewhere in the range of I don't know how many single digit millions, uh, you know, tens of millions maybe. And so and so when you look at the at the pure actually the, the numbers. Yeah, the pure scale. The, the how do you actually become? How do you monitor? How do you moderate content? They want to be a platform that size. They want to be seen as a utility. We're just a platform. We're just a this. But they don't want to be regulated like a utility. Like, but they want to be regulated like a news organization, right? So they want freedom, and yet they want to be seen as a utility. It's like they want all of it. And I think I hate to agree with Rupert Murdoch, but maybe they should pay. You know, for credible, you know, credible news organizations. I, now, right. listen, I seldom agree with him, and I don't. I, <laughs> I, I find it a little bit ironic that he's doing this, but his. He, I think he's making a larger point, and he's doing it in a way that's loudmouthed. Um, but, but he, he, they should pay for great publishers if they want to use their material. That I've always thought that. And you know, and you this know why Rupert Murdoch, by the way, yeah. just uh, suggesting that Facebook pay uh, trusted publishers in the same way that um, content creators are paid carrier fees, right? Correct. Yeah, and and what we've seen is that Facebook actually accepts and adopts the "we are a media company." And they don't say this, but they accept the role in some instances, right? So um, last year they paid a bunch of publishers to use Facebook live, which was their live broadcasting. Yeah, of course. When they they came out, good for them. Exactly. They came out and said, we want to get live video to become this new, really popular medium. And in order to do that, we're going to kind of seed the ecosystem by paying all these publishers to do it. That's an editorial decision, right? They chose which publishers they wanted to work with. And they kind of gave them guidelines around creating content that had to live on Facebook. Those are the kinds of things that media companies do. And they didn't shy away from from that, right? But when it comes to determining, you know, who's trustworthy and who's not, that's a decision that clearly falls on the other side of that fence. I think the issue with most publishers 
is that that fence is always moving, right? Like three or four years ago, choosing publishers to pay for Facebook Live might have been too far for them to go. Mm -hmm. Um, Now it's not. So that is the issue is that Facebook is constantly evolving. They move incredibly quickly and the media world just trying to keep up and, and it makes it really hard. If there was a relationship tag for publishers' relationship with Facebook, <laughs> it's complicated. It's complicated. It's complicated. Right. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the blog posts uh, that were published as a part of Facebook's hard question series, the ones you referenced earlier. What was your your take on these? Is, did Facebook own up or still not enough? Or yeah, I men- mentioned earlier that um, to me, a lot of it rang true to what we'd already heard from them over the past year. So you mentioned, I think at the very beginning, you were like, it feels like Facebook's been in the news every day of 2018. I feel like Facebook's been in the news every day of 2017 too, right? With this whole um, Russia uh, election issue and the fake news stuff. So uh, overall high level is that they came out and they they kind of bulleted a bunch of different um, parts of the the service that they try to, you know, um, fake news, uh, the use of democracy and the power of Facebook and kind of um, pushing democracy either for good or bad. And I think, again, the, the biggest takeaway for me was the simple uh, realization and admission that social media amplifies everything, whether it's good or bad. So if you have something positive to say, social media is great because you might get to share it with a million people. But guess what? If you have something terrible to say, it's the same issue. And so simply, uh, you know, Keeping the positive on Facebook and eliminating the negative is not an easy task when you have two billion users and a bunch of different people who, you know, believe some things are right and some things are wrong. So that's where they've gotten themselves into this weird pickle is that it's like you can't, you know, promote one without the other. And we're finally seeing, I shouldn't say finally, but it, more publicly than ever, we're seeing the negative impacts of what social media can do versus just the positive ones. Mm-hmm. It still feels like after reading some of the, I didn't read all of the blog posts. It was long. It was like yeah. six pages right. or something. It always and is with Mark. And they uh, brought in a lot. I mean, there were a lot of sources in it. There were a couple of people who uh, work within Facebook. There were experts from outside of Facebook. Um, but I still noticed there were references to things like they wrote about the damage the internet can do or, you know, the you know, sort of fessed up to the fact that Facebook wasn't able to quickly identify things. Mm -hmm. And those phrases jumped out at me as things that were still uh, sort of uh, passive in their approach to how Facebook is handling things and to underscore Kara's earlier point, this idea that it's just a, it's a platform. So it's, it's, you guys are doing this, we're supposed to identify it, um, but still not a lot of focus on I don't know. It feels like Facebook's going through therapy to me. Yeah, it is. It's been going through therapy for a while, but we're still not quite there. We're not at that aha moment What's interesting, uh, you know, one of the things when I asked Elliot that on stage, I said, is there something wrong in your management that you just, you don't have any irritants there that are disagree? You seem to all agree with you. You know, it was that you don't see dangers like Facebook Live having murders on it or suicides or whatever, or not seeing that this might be a bigger problem or problematic. And one of the things he did is he said, you know, again, he said, you know, we did some potential wrong things. And then, because he couldn't help himself, he goes, uh, but you know, the government didn't get it either. And I was like, can you just say we were wrong and not like have to put caveats all over the place? But the government, the whole federal government didn't get it. The agencies didn't get it. The And it just opens them up. At one point, you're just like, you know what? We made a mistake. Let's move, like, not let's move on. It's, boy, did we make a fucking mistake. And it's really an interesting, I think it's a management issue that they're a wonderfully cohesive group of people there who've been together, I don't know, Kurt, how long? I 10 mean, years? Facebook's 14 years old in just a couple of weeks, right? And I would say 
man, the vast majority of their managers have been there more than 10 years. Together, yeah. as, as, exactly. as a top leadership. And there's no irritant in there. There's no one saying, what? Like, huh? Like, And so I think it's so cohesive that, I, that's what I was asking, is there a management problem that nobody's disagreeing with each other? And I think that's really important. And, and this, this thing is, I think they feel under siege, and Silicon Valley people are not used to being under siege. They don't like it. Um, and they feel badly. You get a sense that they do feel badly, and you can hear it from ex-people who are talking up, a lot of ex-Facebook people. Um, but they want people to stop blaming them. Like, okay, yeah. we've had enough being mm-hmm. yelled at. So. Some, I mean, it's almost like they, if they didn't know what to do, like if they were, if Facebook's top executives at this point were in a position where they're saying to themselves, you know, we really don't know how to fix this problem, they probably aren't in a position where they feel like they can admit that mm-hmm. because of all of the issues of foreign influence and what's going on. And, you know, admitting that kind of vulnerability would be tough. So it's, it feels like they're taking the time to try to figure it out. But during that time, things keep progressing on the platform and not always in a positive way. Well, it's an interesting management problem, I I think. I think it's more that, that they don't anticipate disaster well enough. They only anticipate opportunity, which is, I think that's a Silicon Valley personality trait. Um, But it doesn't matter because the rest of the world is impeding on them and and it's coming in and wanting to have answers. And so let's talk about Facebook and Twitter's ongoing battle with Congress, or it's not really a battle, but again, more with the Russian trolls, memos, things like that. Can you talk about that? And also, Kurt, one of the things that was brought up in Germany, for sure, was that it's not just U.S.-centric. It has impact for people around the Mm -hmm. world, especially in Philippines, for example. They have impact there that I think has not even begun to be understood compared to the U.S. Yeah, we spend a lot of I'm thinking about the impact on the U.S., of course, given the companies are here and we're here and and the election was such a big deal. But um, this is going to be an issue uh, in elections all around the world and and not just with Facebook proper. I mean, I was actually just speaking with someone the other day who was like, you know, keep an eye on WhatsApp too, right? I mean, WhatsApp is this encrypted messaging app that's owned by Facebook and it's massive in Brazil and India. So what happens when people start to disseminate, you know, fake news via these, there's groups on there, uh, hundreds of people in these groups, links are just being shared, um, you know, and, and they're not public in the way that Facebook is. At the very least, at least you can see things on newsfeed with WhatsApp because of the encryption, it's all happening kind of behind closed doors. So um, I don't think that this is unique to the United States and I actually don't even think it's unique to the, well, it's kind of unique to the Facebook newsfeed given the algorithm and everything we talked about. But the the point is, is that there is a lot of technology being used in a lot of bad ways. And um, Facebook has been kind of the biggest culprit so far, but yeah. it's certainly not the only one. Um, in well, terms of, oh. Congress. Congress. Yeah, I was going to say in terms of Congress, I mean, we haven't really seen a whole lot of uh follow-up since the um, hearings that they had back in November. So in November, they went in front of a couple different congressional committees and, uh, you know, testified um, about kind of their role that they played unknowingly in the uh, election. And there was a, you know, feeling that perhaps Congress could come in and say, well, we want to start to regulate these companies. Uh, We haven't seen anything like that yet. I think it's very unlikely that we would at this point. Um, And I, I think that Facebook for all of the trouble that it has caused, seemed to be the most prepared of the three companies, Facebook, Google, and Twitter, that showed up. They kind of handled the bulk of all the questions. They seemed to, at the very least, be putting the most time and resources behind trying to figure this out. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that there's going to be some 
massive, you know, hammer that comes down on them from Congress as a result of all this. I think people are still trying to figure out how do we prevent it from happening next time. Right. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's. We want to get to calls from readers, but where does it go next, Kurt? Where is the next? Like, does it just keep going? Because I don't feel like Congress is going to do anything about this. Right. They they can't. Again, they can't hardly keep the government open. They <laughs> they have ongoing battles on all kinds of issues from immigration and other things, and uh, this keeps popping up, but nothing seems to be happening. Do you? I know you know you and Tony have written Tony Rome, who writes about yep. Washington for us, have written Tony's a lot. Of, a- wizard about all of this stuff. He's He's been great. Um, we, If I had to predict what's going to happen next with Facebook, um, to me it feels like it's going to be product related. So they've talked about some of this, right? Um, some of it's honestly pretty boring and most general users aren't going to, for all the complaining that happens at Facebook, I bet most people don't even uh, utilize these features. But for example, uh, at the midterms, Facebook has promised that all uh, political advertising campaigns are going to be searchable. So you'd be able to see, you know, who was providing the finances for these ads. Why am I seeing this ad? Who paid for it? Where's the page on Facebook that this ad originated from? Um, So those kinds of things so that people can kind of, you know, check and make sure that ads aren't coming from, from bad sources. At the same time, like I said, I doubt many people actually utilize that, but the fact that it's available might, you know, keep some bad actors away. I think more likely, though, is what we're going to see is, is this newsfeed related stuff. So Facebook is testing in, I think it's six different countries, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, but um, separating completely the friend feed from the the you know news and page feed. So you literally go to one section of the app and hear from mom and grandma and cousin. You go to a second section of the app to hear from you know the New York Times Recode and your favorite retailer. And the hope is that by completely separating the two, they kind of uh, eliminate this spread of fake news because it's just going to be you know less. Pre- it's it's not going to be um, intertwined with all of the stuff that you see from your friends and family. Um, obviously, publishers are freaking out about that because the fear is well, why would anybody go to that feed full of businesses and and publishers trying to get my attention when I can just hang out with my friends? Um, But I don't think at this point Facebook really cares that much. I think they're so worried that they're going to alienate their users that, you know, publishers and businesses are, we've we've already committed. Like, we're not leaving Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. We need Facebook. So at this point, they kind of have all the cards and they can say, well, this is just the way it works. Although it's also certainly gone down. I mean, I can, you know, I don't know. I think publishers have moved their attentions elsewhere. I think, uh, yeah, I think I, Apple I mean, News. Personally, or, I don't really feel like I need Facebook. I just really need Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. But that's, there's, there's a lot of question about that of what works best on that. And that's, of course, Curtis, Facebook 2.0. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh-huh. He's yeah. like, should right. I break it to her? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In a minute, we're going to read some questions about Facebook from our readers. We've got a lot of them and listeners. And Kurt Wagner, whom I call Philip for reasons I can't get into here, is going to answer them. <laughs> Or Barbara. I don't know. Uh, Lauren? Hashtag money. Hashtag Facebook detox. Today's show is brought to you by SimpliSafe, the fastest growing home security company in the nation. They now protect more than 2 million people. Here's some exciting news. SimpliSafe has just released a brand new home security system. This system has been completely rebuilt and redesigned. They've added new safeguards to protect against power outages, downed Wi-Fi, cut lines, bats, hammers, and everything in between. The all-new Simply Safe was redesigned to be practically invisible with powerful sensors so small you'll hardly notice them. But you know who'll notice them? Intruders. Simply Safe spent years building this system. They added so much, but you still get the same fair and honest price. 24/7 protection for only $15 a month, and there's no contract. 
It's smaller, faster, and stronger than anything they've built before. But supply is very limited. Visit simplysafe.com slash TIDA now to order. That's S-I-M-P-L-I and then the word safe dot com slash TIDA, T-E-T-A, to protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash TIDA. Today's show is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Do you dread the cold winter nights? Staying warm at night used to drive me crazy until I came across Eight Smart Mattress. Eight comes with customizable tech features like dual zone bed warming so you can heat up each side of the bed individually. If your partner likes climbing into a cozy bed but you don't, you can turn one side on and keep the other one off. Winter is here, and eight smart mattresses will keep you nice and toasty all season long. Visit 8sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and use the code TITA to get $125 off all mattresses, plus free shipping and free returns. That's 8 spelled E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and code TITA to redeem this special offer. We're back with Recode senior media editor Kurt Wagner about talking about Facebook and the future of democracy and their incredible. And there you have it. Well, it's been a great <laughs> podcast, everybody. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty lightweight episode. You're going to be uh, taking some questions from our readers and listeners. Lauren, would you like to read the first question? I would love to. Thank you. This person's Twitter handle is Azim the Dream. Azim asks, is anyone at Facebook losing their job or getting disciplined for being negligent when the events of the 2016 election were taking place? <laughs> he's just, he's coming in with like, he's, he's got a he's hard trolling. edge. We want to head to fall. Yeah. Um, no, uh, as certainly no Nobody that you would have ever heard of. Um, I think that this, and part of the reason is probably because this falls on Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg's not going to lose his job, right? I mean, he's he's the guy. So um, the answer is no. I think that there is a legitimate amount of self-reflection, concern. Uh, you know, people are losing sleep, uh, or certainly were losing sleep over this. I don't think it's being like it's not being taken lightly. That's that's for sure. At the same time. I don't think anyone is sitting there saying, "Well, someone someone's head needs to roll for this." Um, mm-hmm. right. You know, as Kara yeah. mentioned, the the point is more like, "Well, we missed it, yeah, but so did everyone else." You know what I mean? Our bad. Yeah. yeah the, so the thing is, they're so big. It's like, oh god, they're so. But that's the problem. Like to what I was saying earlier, they're so yeah. big, but at the same time, when you have an audience this size, it's like, how do you even? Yeah, begin but they to put themselves on the same right. plane as Twitter. They're not even. Twitter is such a small. You know, Twitter's noisier, but it's much smaller. They, they, it's like saying, "Our bad, oh well." So what? Everybody else did it. I'm like, "Yeah, but you're you're huge." Well, like, the the problem is like, and Kara, I think I've heard you say this a lot, right? Is like you can't sit there and beat your chest and say we're changing the world. Look at how great we are. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to, you know, take, take the same responsibility when you screw up, and yep. I think that's what it comes down to. Is is you know. There are there were mistakes made. Were people aware that Russia was trying to do this? Uh, certainly not uh, many people publicly, like maybe some people in the government were. Um, but you can't sit there and pretend like you can't take yeah. the blame if you're willing to take all the credit when things go well. And that's, I think that's, that's exactly the issue. Right, mm-hmm. Curtis. Philip. I've Philip. heard I've heard you say it. I basically just say I whatever say you say. Yes. Say you know, I always quote the uh, great power of responsibility quote. Yeah. Which Spider-Man. I had an argument. I, I, I just <laughs> Spider-Man or Voltaire. Yeah. It's Voltaire, and I sent that to Sundar Pichai, who was inaccurate about that. And I said, you might want to try looking it up on Google. And that's true. It's Voltaire. Uh, many people have said it. Winston Churchill did a version of it. Lots of people did, but it was originally Voltaire. I think anyway. you should tweak it a little bit for your mayoral campaign. Yeah. Yes, that's true. 
great power comes great responsibility. How about with switching. great power, give me all the responsibility. How about yeah. Give me all the power and the responsibility. <laughs> all right, Christy, I'll run, I will run this city like it. It would be uh, fascism, but yes, that's true. All right, Chris Davies at C. Davies. What if you're someone who uses Facebook for the news? Is there going to be a way to say, give me more of this, fewer updates from my distant aunt? I would agree. It's called Twitter, Chris, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, another another reader uh, just wrote in, David Lindsley, says he's been trying to make most recent his default for his news feed, and no matter how many times he chooses that option, it goes back to top stories. So can you tweak the news feed? You can. You can, actually, um, but it takes some manual effort here. So um, you could go to all of the pages that you really enjoy. Um, pu- in this case, I would imagine publishers, since this person wants to hear news. And you, if you go to their page, you can um, set them as what's called see first. And so anytime they post, it will show up at the top of your feed before the algorithm kicks in. And you can do that, I believe, with as many pages as you want. So you could go to the Times to recode um, to your favorite, you know, uh, brand or business, hit see first on their page. And then every time they post, it'll, at the very least, it'll show up at the top. So, you know, you get to see those posts before you get to the algorithmic uh, stuff. So it's just, it's a hassle because you got to go do it manually on each page, mm-hmm. but it is possible. I learned something new today. There you go. I didn't know you could do that. Yep. I'll show you. It should be simple, though. It should be in. Uh, next question, Lauren. Next question. Uh, these are questions about local news. Uh, Dazed asked, uh, what would it mean if this actually trickled down to local media outlets, such as some I have here, like The Province and Vancouver Sun, being featured prominently, making Facebook more like a local town hall? Mm-hmm. Uh, someone else asked, so Facebook is not a media company, but would rank media companies in our feed preferring old, well-known publishers uh, than, I think, over new niche ones? How will local or niche news survive? Um, it's funny that how you will ask, we avoid the information bubble? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. funny that you asked that because the bubble. they just announced a local news initiative about two days before this initial um, revamp of their newsfeed algorithm. So, uh, quick summary: they're going to have a local section. So, for your city, um, you would be able to go in there, see local news stories, see the events, see local groups, whatever it may be. Kind of, um, you know, imagine a Facebook newsfeed, perhaps, but tailored to your specific city. Um, the challenge is. Are people a going to find it and b actually spend time there, right? Because right now you go into Facebook, you're immediately sucked into the new, the main news feed, and if you go to their menu, there's about thirty different options. And um, I've been writing about Facebook for five years, and I could probably name you know eight of the thirty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a total uh, overboard of of different kind of sections of the app that you could find yourself mm-hmm. in. One of those thirty will be local. And it's just a test right now, but they want to make that thing a reality that I think the question is, will people A, use it and B, be able to well, also, you know, it? They could just serve hmm. it up to you. Google does that all the time. Google knows exactly where I am, you know, if I as long, if you sign into it and it serves up very pertinent information yeah. all the time. And it could, mean, Facebook right? does that too. Like I notice when I travel, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be on the road for work and then I, I, let's say I'm like in Arizona or wherever. And then all of a sudden my, the events feed on right. the right hand sidebar changes into local events that I might want to go or, to. Or I could just ask you. I see your, you know, do you want information about Arizona? And it, and it might, right? I think it's at this point, I mean, it's literally they announced it three weeks ago. So it's brand yeah. new. It's a total test. Um, maybe that's the, you know, let's fast forward three years. Maybe we're all going to be living in our own little local newsfeed bubbles. But um, I doubt that. But, uh, you know, there's possibility, right? Like it is I'm possible tired of that the that bubble thing, Kurt. The bubble thing. We've been in bubbles, so many for, bubbles. since cable. Too By the way, cable bubbles. was, ever since we didn't have three national network shows that everybody watched, we've been in a bubble. So I don't know if that's, I don't know. I'm just like, this bubble thing is 
I don't care about the bubble. Great. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. People always self-select, unfortunately. All right. Next question. Ken Haggerty. Hi, Lauren. Uh, what do you... Th oh, oh, Lauren. The rest he of just said hi to me. Is. That's it. Okay. Hi, Lauren. Sorry, Kara. Uh, what do you think it will take to get Facebook beyond the news feed? Oh, it sounds like a like a show. Beyond the news feed. The slot oh. machine of interfaces. What do you think, Kara? What will it take to get to Facebook? To get beyond the news feed? Because that was such a big deal. That was such a big deal for Facebook's growth, the news feed. Oh, yeah. And it's still their, their largest moneymaker, too. I mean, like, the news feed's not going anywhere, right? That's where, right. That's where all the ads come from. It's um, also what made the company. Yeah, I think, I mean, I honestly think Facebook's trying to figure that out right now. I look at, if you look at the um, other parts of their business, right? I mean, granted, uh, Lauren mentioned Instagram. Um, Instagram is kind of a new version of newsfeed. It's a very different version of newsfeed because it's more just your photos and videos. It's not so much news, but um, there's Instagram. There's WhatsApp, which we talked about briefly. They have Messenger, which is a separate messaging app. They have Oculus, which is VR. I think very much they are aware that their vast majority of their business relies on one single product that is now currently under attack. And I think that they want to find an alternative, right? And I'm not saying that they want everyone away from newsfeed. I, I think that's not the case, but I do think that they're aware of, we need to figure out something else here um, in case this continues, this trend continues where people feel that newsfeed is, is a troublesome way to spend your time. Next question is from Kevin Ito 920 Do you believe Facebook will face, no pun intended, similar scrutiny as Apple over having a consumer-facing product that some may consider addicting? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. There's been I mean, a lot of so there's a lot of. By the way, I, I did this interesting video for The Verge uh, a, a few weeks ago now, where I spoke to a, a few different uh, uh, researchers and scientists about smartphone addiction. And one of the things that that a researcher I spoke to said, Larry Rosen, who wrote a great book called he co-wrote a book called The Distracted Mind, said that most people are not actually addicted. They might be obsessed, but hmm. the, you have to. Addiction is like a very, very strong word, and it's just being used a lot lately to describe the way we use these platforms yeah. and applications. And granted, some people probably are truly addicted, but it's probably a really small percentage. And most people, it's like a compulsion. It's going to be a big deal yeah. in this yeah. strange way, and it depends on the kind of kick you're getting from it too. But it is you're totally sorry. I just went off on a little tangent, no, but but um, some so some people consider this addicting, right? Some people have said smartphones are addicting, right? And Apple's come under fire for that. Like, do you think Facebook is really going to to face like some type of serious repercussion over all yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, I think they're under fire for it in the same way already. The, qu the, the question is, what does that actually mean, right? Uh, because someone feels that they're addicted to Facebook or a family member's addi addicted to Facebook. Um, up until now, that hasn't actually resulted in any negative thing for Facebook other than people talking about it, right? But it's not like people are using it less. So um, I use my iPhone 24-7 probably, right? And so... Yes, maybe that's a maybe I'm obsessed or addicted or whatever, and I can complain about it, and I can point to Apple and say, you know, this is your fault. But really, my behavior is not changing. So, I don't think that um, Facebook is going to necessarily suffer from this. You can see that they were trying to get ahead of this a little bit. They had a um, another blog post, shocker. Um, that was at the end of last year where they said scrolling aimlessly through your newsfeed could be bad for your health. It could be bad for your well-being. And so they kind of used that research as part of the reason that they made these changes we've been talking about all day is saying we want people to engage more with other people, not just aimlessly scroll because we think it's better for your health. Um, so they're trying to get ahead of it. They're trying to, to say, hey, we know that some people, you know, don't always get the best out of uh, Facebook and we're going to change that. But I, I don't mm -hmm. see it changing yeah, I, you know, again, 
another right. issue of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like it, it, they're not the cigarette companies, but you know, I have to say, whatever it is, Twitter, whatever, it's there are addictive qualities to it that they encourage, and uh, it's not you know you don't die have lung cancer from it, but it's definitely going to be. A, I think it's going to be a much bigger issue because. I don't. I, I'm not a smoker or a drinker, but I am definitely have. There's something going on like that you can't get away from it. That I think is, and I, I usually I take a lot of responsibility for myself. But there's something they're doing that is. Well, well a lot just, of these a lot of these apps are are designed with kind of a rewards based system in them, totally. and they're and they're in, they're intermittent rewards. So you don't know when you're going to get the like or the heart or whatever it might be, and so you check constantly because. It might, it might not be every time, but it might be. They hire people to do this. They hire psychologists. They hire they. There's so much. Uh, if someone really wanted to sue, they have so much proof of people trying to get you to. It's like a slot machine. It is. It's, well, yeah, notifications in and of themselves, right? Do I need they to have get a thousand engineers? A push about. to my home screen every time yeah. someone likes my. Of course not. No, right, but. But they do it, and I right. open the app more, right. and there you go. I mean, Snapchat just like overtly has something called streaks. Yeah. It's just. Just keep up the streak. Just yeah. keep it. Just and keep going. Just people right. Love it. Well, why wouldn't you? It's 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 like you're like a mouse. It's a game. With a, yeah. it's a game. All right. L- last for because uh, Lauren's got to go soon, and we have so much to talk about with Facebook. It's, it's the cause of all our problems in the world, apparently. Uh, how much of the Facebook problem? This is in quotes. This is from Liz Weeks. Um, as a result of their algorithm versus the lack of internet literacy. For example, it's one thing if an algorithm catapults truly false news into view, but our democracy is predicated on rational founders' language, human beings using their faculties to think about information put in front of them. I'm not convinced, despite my frustration with Facebook's lack of responsibility, that this is wholly on them or that it's productive to act like solving Facebook cells. I agree with this. I think yeah. this is being very yeah. rational And here. by the way, Facebook and others have been involved in the news literacy project, which our friend, which our friend Walt Mossberg is now sitting on the board of but they're they are you know starting to to do things Google, to address right to address media literacy very important especially among young people it's hugely important yeah. yeah I was just talking to someone at Google about this yeah well we said this at the very beginning with the the ranking thing right I mean do you want do you want regular internet users ranking your news sources as most uh, trustworthy to least trustworthy I, I personally don't because I don't think that I don't trust people to make that decision and so right. I think uh, that's that's you know, at the crux of this question is... It is citizens' responsibility. Yeah, pe- people mm-hmm. are sharing this stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah, Facebook gave them the tool to do so, but they're still making an active decision to, to share it and spread it. And, you know, that's that's on human human beings as well. Human beings, that's the problem. We've got to get robots Man, to replace everybody We soon. stink. Yeah, we stink. We stink. But it's really, it lives in Facebook. We also know that people are can be awful. But yeah. it's not all their problem. It's just, they're, they're, you know, the way people used to complain about TV... Many years ago, making us you know, idiot boxes. I don't know. You guys don't remember, but I do. Um, that fa- it wasn't. It was people that was the problem. What's TV? Are no. <laughs> right, two more quick questions? This is big Go ahead, Lauren. Yeah. Next one. Cool. You, would put, yeah, you couldn't mm. record anything. Okay, <laughs> this is from uh, at Techie Shark. Will Facebook ever have something like Google's ad grant platform to support nonprofits? Would be great to see more voices like that and less like Russian-funded election <laughs> ads. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the ad grant program is. Yeah. But Facebook does have an entire department that's Facebook for good. Yeah, right? they have a yeah. social good team. It's led by an executive who's been there a really long time. Um, and I think Cheryl was the one that pioneered it at Google. So this is something right up her alley. Yeah. Cheryl Sandberg. I think I'm Facebook does sure she did. quite a bit of of um, stuff that probably doesn't get a lot of attention around you know nonprofits, donations, um, s- safety of use. I mean, they get a bad rap, but they're they're pretty responsible for most of what they do. So I don't know that exact program either, but I'm sure 
Right. I'm pretty so. certain Cheryl Sammer was very much responsible for the Google one, and she would carry it right over to Facebook. Sure. It's, it's really right up her alley and that kind of stuff, and, and it has been... They, all those companies have done that for a long time. Um, so I think they don't not... I think what happens is the one that the nonprofits do aren't quite as exciting as the others. They're exactly. Just, you know. Right. Okay, last question. David Glenn Walker. Uh, how does Facebook plan to increase trust in its brand and social networking as a whole? According to recent figures, only one in four people trust social networks. Oh, great. They're just like the media. So, uh, Kurt, how, what would you do if you were running Facebook? That's yeah. our last question. Well, I think I'd take my CEO and I'd go all around the country having, you know, chats <laughs> with small town business owners at coffee. No, um, no. I don't... I, it's so hard, right? Because once you lose trust, it's it's almost impossible to win back, right? People, um, you, you could you could be trustworthy for ten years, you and and you burn someone once, and all of a sudden that's what they're going to remember. And so, I think this is a really really tough challenge for Facebook. It's going to be an uphill battle, and I think we're going to have to have a few more elections that don't result in Russian meddling before people say, oh, okay, maybe Facebook has that problem fixed, right? And so. Mm-hmm. That is years away. I don't see Facebook um, kind of shedding this problem for a long time. I do think that people forget and move on very quickly. Um, with this issue so far, that hasn't been the case, um, despite you know everything happening on, with the president in the White House. But um, you know, I think a reputation is hard to shake, so I don't think this is going anywhere. It is. They will carry it with them. We all carry all our mistakes on our back. Yep. You young people, just so you know, they never. They're scars. That's why I don't they're make scars. mistakes. <laughs> oh, Kurt. It's my, you know, it's no, my mis- simple solution. Kurt, Kurt, practice now. Mistakes <laughs> now have been you made. will You're make right. a sorry, perfect sorry. internet CEO. I'd like that to apologize for other yeah, people's yeah. behavior. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, wouldn't it be shocking if he just goes, yeah, we did it. Yeah. And then, whoops. Whoops. What are you going to do bad. about it? No, not that. No, no, Kurt. Oh, no, that's when you stop. Okay, you stop right there. <laughs> All right. And we're so sorry. We're so sorry. So sorry. What if Facebook, what if social networks just like all went dark for a day? What if they had like a day of darkness once a year and they would just try to see... A day of darkness. That was my thing. Close down their ad thing for a week and take the hit. Like, you know how Bezos is doing this headquarters thing? It really has gotten focus away from him killing retail. (laughs) You know what I mean? It sounds crazy, but like a little bit goodwill kind of thing. Like if they closed down Facebook for... Not Facebook, the ad platform for a week, for example, would have been quite like, whoa, and all the press would have gone like the lemmings that we are would have gone, oh, whoa, look what they did. You know, I don't know. Anyway. No, I just mean the whole thing, but just being down for a day. <laughs> okay. All right. You just want that. Yeah. You want it to go back. That was, no, I mean, that's you called, know, that's, so here's the thing. It's good. That's it called is good 1991. For, <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, 1980. I was around then, Kara. I was yeah. around. And I remember the days great. pre-Facebook. And I mean, personally, I find that most of the time when I'm in, I, so I do, I do have a public page on Facebook, I should say, uh, my journalist page, but my personal page, I will find like, I do find that most of the time now I'm I'm mostly engaging in like groups and community stuff, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Mark Zuckerberg was talking to about. Hear you talking like about we that. like we yeah. you know we have like a like a family vacation group or your knitting people, club for example, right. my, or my my cat lady club or sorry to miss that group. I don't have a cat lady club. I just like them all on Instagram. All right. Anyway, this is an ongoing issue. Facebook is still so important, and then someday when it's not, we'll be like Facebook. Remember how they used to be like AOL, yeah, that kind fun. of thing. Um, that's the one thing we can think of. We understand that these things, uh, they do, every company has to really do a good job to hold on to their hegemony. 
Anyway, this has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask Kurt. Philip, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. I need to hear this, this Philip story. Yeah. Someone ran into someone who works for Recode and thought they were a totally other person. <laughs> so someone who works they, for Recode. Yeah. yeah. We just made so nicknames we, for each other. Is there a so we made fake There's no, no. Philip I wanted to call name. Kurt Barber, but he didn't like that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, if you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as Kara and Philip uh, did, be sure to subscribe to the show and you can leave us a review. We love your reviews. Go to iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask and leave them there. Yeah. When you subscribe, you the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch them on previous episodes where Cynthia and I answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. Oh, I love that. Call me Cindy. Cindy. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can also subscribe on Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can just listen to every episode of the website. Go to recode.net slash podcast and you can find them all there. And while you're there, you should check out our other shows, Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. I think you mean Ted Kafka. <laughs> Ted Kafka. <laughs> <laughs> Franz. Uh, the Verge Franz also <laughs> The Verge also has joke. a great podcast. Russian, Russian literary <laughs> That's joke. right. That's right. Um, the Verge. Uh, listen to The Verge cast. It's our, it's uh, The Verge's flagship podcast. It's hosted by Neilai Patel. And then Ashley Carmen and Caitlin Tiffany host a podcast called Why'd You Push That Button? It's fantastic. It's really fun. Um, and keep an eye out for more Verge podcasts coming soon. Yeah. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode or with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you to our sponsors and to Cadence13 and Vox Media, which sells all those ads so you can listen to this show for free. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and of course, our producer, Eric Johnson. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions about tech that you've been too embarrassed to ask. So ask away and tune in then. Hey, this is Peter Kafka, the host of Recode Media. You have been listening to this podcast, which means that you like listening to people talk about media and technology, which is very good news because we've got an entire conference all about just that topic. It's Code Media. It's coming up very soon. You should go. February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. It is a very, very nice place to be in February. Specifically, it's the Pasea Hotel and Spa there in Huntington Beach. Enough about the place. I want to tell you about what we're going to do there. We're going to talk to the smartest, most interesting people in media and technology. We, as Kara Swisher and I, we're going to talk to people like Oath CEO Tim Armstrong, Susan Wojcicki, she's the CEO of YouTube, Kerry Trainer, he's the CEO of SoundCloud. I don't think he's spoken publicly anywhere yet. That's a good one. And HuffPost Editor-in-Chief Lydia Polgreen. If you want to learn more, you can go to recode.net, click on events. It's easy to find. Um, you can figure it out because you are smart because you listen to this podcast. That's Code Media Conference. February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. I will see you there.